Well, it's great to see you, as I said earlier, and uh, it's a whole new decade. How's that? How's everyone feeling about that? There's just a great sense of excitement in the room, I can tell. Yay, another decade. Most of us struggle probably with the, the coming week, let alone the coming month, not alone the thought of a year, let alone a decade, but uh, it's a new decade, and uh, it's funny, it's not a, like the year 2000 was a big deal, right? Everyone remembers where they were in the year 2000. Some of you guys might have been in the bunker that you built in the backyard because you're ready for Y2K. Uh, and so that's a whole new millennium that you're walking into, which is a bit hard to get your head around. But a new decade is something that it can be sobering, especially if you sit down and do the maths about how old you'll be at the end of this decade. And, and I'll just give you a moment there just to freak out. <laughs> All right, let's have ministry now. And so everyone come forward that's freaking out about that. And no, it's, um, the reality is you are getting older. So be encouraged. And the reality is that life's going quick, right? I mean, everyone says that, but it's like, it's freaky. You know, we had uh, uh, children nine years ago. Eli uh, is turning uh, nine in a week or so, and it's like, where did that go? And you know how everyone says it goes quick with the kids? And you know when you're sleep-deprived, Joe and Chris, and you're just, you know, and it's like, you guys are doing it right from what I hear. Normal babies don't sleep. And uh, so then it's like, and then they just take ages to grow up, it feels like. And then and it's like, this doesn't feel like it's going quick. And then next minute, they're like nine. And you're like, how did that happen? It's, it's going quick. And uh, I don't want to waste my life. And I know you don't either. And that's why I love that you're here this morning. I just love that you're here this morning because there's something in you that says, I don't want to just live for myself, but I want to live for Jesus. And so I want to be part of his body, a faith community, and I want to plant myself and I want to be part of something that is bigger than just me. And so I'm grateful that you're here because together, if we continue to radically obey the call of Jesus, I think we can continue to be a community that represents him well. And that's his hands and feet here in the Bay. And so uh, we're starting this year with the vision series. Now last year, we, uh, at the end of the year, we had our day of vision and prayer. And uh, I've never done a vision series before, so I feel very excited. Most churches do this every year, and guess what? We will be from now on, because uh, we have some clarity about what God's calling us to. But I want to um, share, just as we begin the year, and we're going to do this every year, about the vision of Bay Vineyard, what we believe God's called us to, and uh, to invite you to play your part in that vision. For those that uh, just want to play a bit of catch-up, the three things that we feel that God's called us to uh, our renewal, discipleship, and wholeness. Renewal is that we want to partner with God to see the bay, bay flooded with his presence. And we're going to be talking about that today. The second thing we want to focus on is discipleship, to grow people who are becoming more like Jesus, to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what Jesus did. That's our definition of a disciple. And lastly, to help people find healing in Christ, wholeness. These are the three things that we're going to be pursuing, focusing on, praying into, uh, putting structures and, and systems around and all the rest of it. And I want to unpack some of that uh, today. This book, the Bible, is God's great love story for us. Uh, and at the beginning of the Bible, we have this picture of a place of perfect communion with God, this place of peace, uh, this place 
um, of rest, hallelujah, a rest of productive labor. You know, work was part of God's creation before the fall. How cool is that? So, so the productive labor was part of this lovely world um, as a place of just intimacy and communion with God. It was a place of peace, like, but shalom peace, not just like, oh, there's no conflict here. Like everything was just the way it was meant to be. And we have glimpses of that now. But the beginning of the Bible is this picture of like, oh, this is just beautiful. It's the way it's meant to be. And then uh, the story turns into one of betrayal and one of sin and one of pride and one of turning away from God, the source of life. And from that moment on in the Bible, which is the majority of the Bible, there's just like two chapters where you're like, oh, this looks pretty good. And it's like, oh dear, we've messed it up, haven't we? Yes, we have quite badly. And, uh, and we can look at Genesis, you know, Adam and Eve, oh, what were you thinking? I finally hadn't screwed up. And then it's like, we look at our lives and go like, okay, maybe I also screw up from time to time. So they, Adam and Eve are us and the choices we make. And the rest of the Bible is God's love, like just pursuing his people in love. Through Abraham, through through uh, Joseph, through through the, the the forming of the nation of Israel, and then and it's like and God's just like Israel. I want you to be this picture of what it should be like between everyone in the world and me, Israel. You're the ones that show the rest of the world, and in doing so, you're going to be a great blessing. It's for everyone, and Israel just struggle with that call, just like we do. <laughs> they keep making mistakes. They and like. If, it was, if I was God and be grateful, I'm not. Oh, all right, we're done. All right, in the scrap heap. All right, let's, you know, all right, angels and Trinity, it's back just to us again. And it's like, and God just doesn't. He keeps pursuing. He sends the prophets. He uses the kings. He's constantly just, it's, it's love. It's the story of the prodigal son in long form. That's, that's, how to, that's the lens to read the Old Testament. God just pursuing, pursuing. And the ultimate act of pursuing was when he sent his own son, Jesus, himself in bodily form, Trinity, get cross-eyed here. He comes into the world himself, steps into that brokenness and, and lives the perfect life that we should have lived and dies the death that we should have died so that we could find life and find relationship with God. And Jesus modeled what new life looks like. He modeled what the kingdom of God, which is the rule and reign of God, like everywhere he went, he was bringing into the world peace, healing for the broken. For those that were just in captivity because of addictions or whatever, he would set them free. For those that were physically maimed in some way, he would heal them. It was like party central everywhere Jesus went. Everywhere Jesus went, the kingdom's breaking in and it's just like there's a party. And it's like, and this is the idea of renewal. Right? And so anyway, we get to the, to, to the point where he's died, he's risen again, and then he's like, all right, I'm going back to be with the Father, I'm going back into the heavenly realm, uh, but go to Jerusalem, wait, because it's going to be tag, you're in, church. And they're like, okay, what's it going to be like? They go to Jerusalem, get filled with the Holy Spirit, the church is born, and the church has continued the mission of Jesus to this day. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, that the church has done the very thing, is called to do the very things that Jesus does, to bring healing, to bring life, to bring hope, to bring peace, to bring reconciliation, to bring renewal, to make things new. 
And so that is the, uh, the, the, the goal of the church, is to see renewal take place. And we believe that God wants to use us as ordinary people to see His kingdom advance in this place, to bring renewal, to make the bay new, to bring restoration, to bring it back to life, to bring healing, to bring peace, to bring comfort. That's what we want to do. And so uh, one of the three areas of focus for us is to see the, the bay flooded with the presence of God, and we will do it. With his, it's already happening. The last year and a half as we started the church, God's already been bringing people to life. But I want to talk about three ways that this uh, gets unpacked uh, and three points I want to make on renewal and how you can be part of what God is doing. The first point is this. Renewal starts with you. Renewal starts with you. As a monkey follower of Jesus, the place to start when it comes to renewal is your own life. We have got to get to the point where we're smoking what we're selling. Does that make sense? Now, I, I don't have, I've been in ministry my whole life, so I haven't been in the drug dealing business, but I know people that have. And you don't buy something from a drug dealer that they're not using or not prepared to use themselves. You've got to be smoking what you're selling, right? <laughs> Where are you going with this one, Harvey? <laughs> Here's the thing. We're in the business of following Jesus, the source of life, the author of life, the bringer of life, the healer of everything that robs us from life. And the question is, are we smoking what we're selling? Because we're like, we want the kingdom of God to break in. And yet half the time we're wrecked, tired, exhausted, haven't hung out with Jesus in months or weeks or whatever it may be. A Bible's gathering dust, way too much on our plate. And it's like, but I'd love to see everyone else come and meet Jesus and, and find his life. Uh, just let me have a nap first because I'm a little bit strung out from everything else in my life. And it's like, no. Renewal begins with me. Renewal begins when my life has been so radically turned upside down that there's a fire in my eyes that says you've got to meet Jesus. If you're obedient to him and follow his way, he will bring you to life. It begins with you. And so this is like the only way we're going to see God do something in power in the, in the bay is when we are inwardly renewed. Outwardly, we may be wasting away. And many of us are. <laughs> no disrespect to you. We're wasting away outwardly, but inside, man, we've been made new. It's like newness. It's life. I'm, like, as we start this year, I'm like frothing, as you can see. There's life. There's life in Jesus. Like, it's not easy being a pastor in this day and age. It can be very discouraging. But I tell you what, with Jesus, there's life. There's life. Because, and you know what, our culture's desperate for that life. It's trying to find that life in all sorts of places. And they kind of get there, and it's a mirage, and it's mist, and it's just not there. Jesus is the one who has life. And Jesus is the one that wants to uh, enable us to have that sort of life. But how do we have that life? And I've said this at our vision day, and I'm going to keep saying it. We've often thought that if we believe the right things, we find life. Now, I have got no problem with that. It's a super important doctrine and believing the right things. I studied theology for three years in preparation of going into ministry at Bible college. I love the academic world. I'm all over it. But I can tell you from firsthand experience, it can be exciting, but it doesn't transform your life. The second area that we've thought, okay, maybe there's life here, is in our ethics and morals. 
So that if I behave the right way, then maybe I'll find life. Now, behaving the right way will stop you from a world of pain. God's a good father and he gives parameters and boundaries and the Holy Spirit and a conscience to help you not make mistakes because when you make mistakes, life gets very tricky and painful and he wants to help you avoid that. But if that's all you've got, this is normally what we've got. We've got, I believe in Jesus, so I'm going to heaven when I die and I'm going to go to a lot of Bible studies so I get information and I'm going to try and sort out my life so I'm not naughty and smoking pot or looking at naughty things on the internet or drinking too much or, or eat, you know, eating too much Burger King or whatever it may be. Uh, and, and then it's like, and then after a while, Christians are bored and, and discouraged and going, is this it? And so then you just start resubscribing to culture's lies that you're consuming at an unbelievable rate in terms of marketing that say, buy this, you'll be happy. Have this home, you'll be happy. If you live like that person, you'll be happy. And we keep wringing our souls out, trying to get to life, and we don't get there. Here's how we discover life, by imitating Jesus' lifestyle. When he said, follow me, it wasn't just follow my teaching, as hugely important as that is, or do the things that you should do and don't do the things you shouldn't do. It's follow me, follow my entire lifestyle. Throughout the, the Gospels, you will note there's not just teaching, there's random bits and bobs about Jesus going out to have quiet times, about Jesus sleeping in a boat, about Jesus uh, on the Sabbath having days of rest. All of these things are there to prompt us to go, that's how we're meant to live if we are an apprentice, a follower of Jesus. And so uh, I'm going to talk about this next week, but in our home churches, all we're going to be focusing on uh, and we're building all these resources, is, to, is the practices of Jesus. How can you slow down your life so it's filled with his peace? How can, listen to this. Uh, when you, you achieve inner peace, this is Stephen Covey, uh, you achieve inner peace when your schedule is aligned with your values. That, and that's, so what I mean by that is that if Jesus is Lord of all, then your weeks look increasingly like Jesus as every week goes past. Times of silence and solitude, times of community, just like Jesus. Times of withdrawing and being with your heavenly Father, and times of ministry and encouraging others. Times uh, of, of activity and times of Sabbath rest. Times uh, where you're, you're just looking after your own soul and having some good boundaries. And times we have to dig a, di a bit deep because you have compassion on the people that are in front of you, even though you're a bit tired or going through grief or whatever it might be. We imitate Jesus and we learn these practices more and more. And I can tell you, as a follower of Jesus now all my life pretty much, with lots of ups and downs, the practices of Jesus have brought life to me. Unbelievable life. I want my pace of life to match Jesus' pace of life. Never see Jesus in a rush. Ever. I'm like, well, how can I live like Jesus? Etc. etc. So here's here's one of the ways that you can unpack this or do this uh, as we start the new year in terms of going, I want to pursue inner renewal. It's by developing a rule of life. Now, the ancient church were like, Well, how can we follow Jesus? How can we stay close to Jesus? And you know, they were like, We've got to kind of schedule it. <laughs> And the rule of life is this idea that if, in John 15, Jesus says, if you want to abide or remain in me, uh, he uses the picture of a vine. Be grafted into this vine. Now, Bruce Radimer will know this, another horticulturalist. 
Vines don't just grow without some sort of support structure. A trellis, uh, we live in the bay, so you'll just see the rows of, uh, of fence posts and wires and all sorts to help the vine grow healthily. And so the rule of life is the idea, like that's the trellis in which our vine can grow really healthy. And it's effectively going, I want to schedule my life around Jesus, not around all these other things that are saying, pick me, pick me, pick me. That makes sense? So this is just real basic. I mean, this is 101, but there's lots of like, oh, okay, interesting idea. Um, it's, so over summer, we're going to be talking about all this stuff in our home shoots a whole lot, so you, you'll get up to speed. But I want to uh, invite you today to begin thinking about what's your rule of life look like to enable your life to flourish, for you to be a walking renewal. What does it look like? So over summer, uh, I've been just thinking about this a whole lot. As I hit into a new year and a new decade, what does my rule of life look like this year? And specifically, when am I spending time with Jesus? When am I spending time with family? When am I doing things that are good for my body, like exercise? Uh, the Lord's been had his finger on that one for many years now, and I'm slowly starting to listen. Uh, this is, this is, like, honestly, guys, if you always do what you've always done, you will always get what you've always got. And if you are happy with what you've got, fine. Just switch out, check Facebook right now. If you're not happy, if you're not happy, you need a rule of life. You need some sort of intention that says, this is how I'm going to live for Jesus. Because we don't, like, I, you're in the wrong church if you just think, all I've got to do is believe in Jesus, then I go to heaven one day. I'm not happy with that because Jesus says I've come to bring life in all of its fullness. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, not just one day I get to escape and go to heaven. So what does it look like for the kingdom of God to break into your life this year? So you're going to have to say no to some things to say yes to the greater things. You're going to have to make friends with the feeling of disappointing people, maybe people that are significant in your life, because you have a greater priority. You are living as a living sacrifice for Jesus, holy and acceptable. I'm all yours. Amen? And so I've been reading this book called, um, called Atomic Habits. Uh, and as I've, just as part of, it's not a Christian book, it's just as part of um, my desire to have a really strong new rule of life as I go into the year. And in this book, uh, they did some research on the habits. Uh, they did this research in the UK with 248 people, and they tracked them as they were like, I want to have the habit of exercise in my life. And so they had three groups that they were researching, uh, that they, they used for this research. The first group was a control group. And it was simply like, tell us what you want to do, and then they just left them. The second group was a, a group, and they said, tell us what you want to do, and we will also give you motivation every day to help you try and get that goal accomplished. And then they left them. And then the third group, they said, we want, you, we want to know what you want to do, and then before you leave, you have to formulate a plan for when and where you would exercise. Have you got that? Those three groups. The first and second group had identical results. So with the motivation, nothing changed. Identical results, the statistics were 35 to 38% of the first two groups exercised at least once a week in this particular time that they were measuring them. Okay, so pretty good. I mean, this is not bad because you stay, oh, I'm going I'm to have a quiet time, blah, 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 you know, I'm definitely going to do it this year. And then for the first couple of weeks, you have a quiet. So that's what happened to these guys, 35 to 38%. A whole lot of people, you know, 60% didn't even do that, but whatever. 
The last group that had to formulate a plan of when and where they would exercise, 91% of them exercised at least once a week. 91%. And so they talked about implementation intention. The sense that if you, want to, if you want to actually do something, you've got to make a plan for when and where it's going to happen. And when it comes to a rule of life, the more specific you get about where and when and what it's going to look like, the, the higher chance it'll happen. Uh, a couple of tips on this as well. Um, don't start Harry Hardcore like, oh, I'm going to intercede for the nation seven hours a day. I'm going to get up at three in the morning and I'm going to, you know, <laughs> I'm just going to go so hard. It's like, Listen, consistency, it took a long time to drop. (laughs) Consistency trumps intensity. Consistency trumps intensity. In fact, in the habit book, which I've been really enjoying, but they're like, there's a high chance you'll do it if you just start small and something you can do, but you just keep it regular. If you just have something small that's consistent, you can always grow it, and you normally always will. But if you start like Harry Hard out, which many of us guys did, especially in our young, you remember those youth group days or those early 20s, we were like, oh, you know, come out of a conference, and oh, I'm going to be the next apostle to the nations, and you watch out, and it's like two months later, you're like, ooh, <laughs> same a guy, oh dear. Uh, it's, it's about just going, this is when it's going to happen. And, and with everything in my, like, we take communion every week because central to everything is this, like, it's the grace of God. These things don't make, like, you have been accepted by God. You don't do this to be accepted by God. He's accepted you. I do this because I want to follow him because I believe there's life in him. And I want to be close to him. And I want to be transformed from glory to glory. So I can preach and I'm going to my heart out. We're going to build resources. But the reality is motivation isn't going to change you. I hope some of you feel motivated right now. Oh, yes, there's a good word, Harvey. Oh, I'm in. Unless you put wheels on it, guys, it's just not going to happen. I hate to be the bearer of bad news. Jesus got this. Jesus says, therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, they're the one that build their life on the rock. Paul says this as well. Keep, put, keep putting into practice all you've learned and received from me, everything you've heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. So... Some of you guys have been discouraged over the years because you've tried different devotional things and you've tried to, and it's just, and you've struggled and you've fallen off the wagon. Can I just encourage you to get back on the wagon this morning? This memory came up, was it yesterday? What date's that? Yesterday. You know how Facebook's got your memories? And so here's my Facebook memory uh, from, from five years ago. This is from Genesis 36 to 24. This is the Anna who discovered the hot springs in the desert while he was grazing the donkeys of his father Zebion. Now, this is in the Bible in a Year reading. And so I'm like, I'm reading the Bible in the Year five years ago. And I'm like, this is hilarious. Like, this is in this long chronology of different, you know, family members. And it's like, and here's this guy who's famous because they're in the desert. And they're like, oh, man, it's so hot. Oh, it's so hot. We so need a, I just want a cold dip and something, man. And then uh, Anna goes like, guys, guess what? I found some springs. And they're like, yeah, springs. We get to like, oh, it's so hot. It's like, uh, one thing, guys, the hot springs. And it's like, thanks for nothing, Anna. It's like, what are we going to do with hot springs? So I'm like cracking up as I'm reading the Bible in a year. And then uh, my f- uh, friend and mentor, Steve Graham, comments, as you on Facebook, ah, oh, see that you have managed to stick with the Bible reading plan for 18 days. 
and I followed this. And, and so then I've got to defend myself this publicly. So I'm like, I think I hit August last year, Steve. <laughs> and then I fell off the wagon, aiming to nail it this year. I really like the Kondiki Gumbel's commentary. So my point is this. Five years ago, this memory comes up. And, you know, five years ago, I'm trying to get this Bible reading everyday habit into my life. Not because I'm a pastor, though that's important, but because I love Jesus and I want to follow him most importantly. So I've just been battling. And that was after like about two or three years previous of going, all right, this year, Bible in a year. Here we go. I'm going to do it. I'm going to off the wagon march. Okay. New year. All right, here we go. Bible in a year. July. 2014. Bible in a year. August. Last year, easiest year ever. Whole Bible, easy. Honestly. Year before that, whole Bible, wobbly at times. Year before that, Think the whole Bible, but definitely wobbly at bits. There was like, oh dear, about five days I've got to catch up on. Here we go, you know, those sort of moments. And here's my point we just say, yes, I'm going to keep choosing this. I'm going to keep, when I fall off the wagon, I'm, I'm going to boldly approach the throne of grace and receive mercy. I'm not going to be condemned because this isn't making me accepted. But I tell you what, I want the bread of life. I want the word of God because every word that comes from the Father nourishes my soul. So keep hanging in there, guys. Former form uh, rule of life, and I'm going to give you time to do that, hopefully, today. Um, former rule of life. Sorry. Anyone know what time is? Oh, all right, we're doing good. Here we go. Former rule of life. And I'm going to give you time to do that at the end of today. And for some of you, you've got some great stuff in place. But God wants to do something in the bay. And God wants to do something in this church. And God wants to do something in you. And it begins with you looking in the mirror going, God, I want to live a life of renewal. I don't want to just have my fingers crossed that you're going to pour out your spirit in some sovereign way, which is a lazy Christianity that says I want him to do some revival. I want to be a person who learns the unforced rhythms of grace. I don't have a rule of life to make my life more busy or more tricky. The more I've had a rule of life, the more free I've felt. And the more I've got these disciplines that hold me and sustain me and bring life to me, silence and solitude's in there. When I'm on my phone and when I'm off my phone is on, on my rule of life. When I'm sitting down with Jesus reading the Bible is in my rule of life. And this year when I'm exercising, <laughs> I hate saying it publicly, when I'm exercising, my wife's in the front row as well. When I'm exercising is also in uh, my rule of life. And that means I'm tweaking my schedule, I'm tweaking, I'm having to adjust some other things because I, I'm not going to live a rushed life. I'm going to live a life that's walking with Jesus, not running with him. I want to build his church and his kingdom his way, not our culture's way. So what does it look like for you to have a new rule of life that brings a lot more peace, a lot more freedom to you this year. The second uh, point, so the first point is that renewal begins with you. The second thing is prayer. Renewal is birthed in prayer. Uh, a scripture many of you will know, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. We want to be a people called by his name who humble ourselves and pray and seek his face and say, Lord, pour your spirit out on the bay. Jesus said, my church, I want my church to be like this house of prayer, a place where we're just like, look, 
Pour it out. Pour it out. Mark Sayers in his book, Reappear in Church, says that we are a, want to be a people moving from a life posture of consumption and passivity to one of contending for God's presence to come in power, to come with power. Following the words of God in Ezekiel, we choose to stand in the gap for our culture, crying out for God's mercy, asking him to come again. We are going to pray as a church. And the lack of enthusiasm for prayer right now, in this moment... Is, uh, is actually why we've got some problems in terms of God doing some stuff in our culture. And a lot of it's because we're in survival mode, right? I don't say that to beat you up. So we're just to be in survival mode in terms of our own faith in this crazy world and culture. Uh, and also we've thought that to pray for renewal, you've got to be a super Christian. But you don't, and I'm going to talk about that in a second. But I tell you what, God has always used ordinary, broken Normal people who have said, I'm going to, even for a couple of minutes a day, put my own need and, and, and issues aside, and I'm going to knock on the door of heaven, and I'm going to say, Lord, we need your power to be poured out on the bay. We need your spirit to be poured out on the bay. And even for my friend Bob here, Lord, he's a mess. Lord, would you do something in Bob's life that, in my workplace because he needs your presence. And Lord, renewal begins with me, so do something. Amen. Imagine if you did that every week. Imagine if every single person in the room for one or two minutes every week prayed that sort of prayer. How cool would that be? And so I want to invite you to do that. There's a couple of things we're going to do this year. Firstly, this is going, I know everyone's super excited about this one. We're going to have 21 days of prayer and fasting starting the 2nd of February. And uh, we're going to have 21 days. We're going to throw in some extra prayer meetings. But what I'd like you to consider doing, and I'm going to talk about this over the next little while, is to think about one day a week for three weeks that you're like, I'll fast something. Some of you, it may be a full food fast. Some of you, it may be Shortland Street. Some of you, it may be your phone. Some of you, I don't know what it is. You've, you know, some of you may want to fast for two or three days. Some of you may want to fast a week. Some of you may want to, I'm not, you know, in a previous church, people do the 21 days, you know, and go really intense. But um, for most of us who haven't done much of this, it's like, I'm, I'm like, would you consider doing it even for half a day? And then we'll have these extra prayer meetings. And there's something powerful about prayer and fasting that breaks strongholds, that breaks power. There's something about it that shapes us, that says, Lord, we want you to be the priority. And so we aren't going to be mucking around over the next, uh, as we start a new decade. <laughs> well, like, we're going to take the business of renewal seriously. And it starts with prayer. So we're going to have 21 days of prayer and fasting. We'll be talking more about that. The second thing, as I mentioned earlier, is a personal commitment to pray. So we've got some sign-up sheets around the building. Uh, we've got one on the stage there, some of the info, some at the uh, back of the church. And I think we might have one over there somewhere. Uh, and on that... I want to invite, and we're going to have those there most Sundays, and we're going to talk about this regularly, and we want to build a picture of what this could look like. But one thing I'd love you to, to consider doing is to pray for five minutes once a week for renewal in the bay. Okay? And if that feels like a stretch, 30 seconds to a minute would be awesome. Just so, and, and, and specific though, so we've got sign-up sheets because I'd like to know, because I want to stay in touch with you around this. But also I'd love to see the picture because over the next number of years, 
Uh, and, and we're going to you know, chase people up and say, no dramas if you stop doing it, but we want an up-to-date picture of when people are praying that God will pour out His Spirit in the bay. And every single person that joins our church over the next 10 years, we're going to be saying, would you give a couple of minutes a week to pray that God would pour out His Spirit on the bay? And then we'll share from time to time how much is covered. Um, and so we, I'd love you to think about that and at the end of the service to sign up for, for this. The last thing is this. Everyone is called to be a part of partnering with God to see renewal. Everyone gets to play. Everyone gets to play. We need God to pour out His Spirit in our lives. We need God to pour out His Spirit in the bay. And everyone gets to be a part of it. You can be deeply hurting, broken, and you can still be an agent of God's renewal. You can, like when Jesus gives His great commission, go into all the world, the Bible says, and there were some that doubted. How cool is that? Jesus commissions even those who are doubting to go into all the world, proclaiming the good news that Jesus has risen, that he is Lord, and that he brings us to life. Let me run through. I've, run this, I've told you this before, but this is a good reminder. Here's who God has used in the Bible, and this is who they were. This is what they got up to at times, okay? So here we go. Be encouraged. Noah got drunk. Abraham was really old. Jacob was a liar. Leah, according to the Bible, was ugly. So even I can get involved. That's good news. Joseph was abused. Moses, God's mouthpiece to the most powerful man in the world, had a stuttering problem. Gideon was afraid. Samson had long hair and was a womanizer. Rahab was a prostitute. Jeremiah and Timothy complained they were too young. David had an affair and murdered someone. Elijah got suicidal. Isaiah preached naked. Don't worry. Jonah ran from God. Naomi was a widow. Job went bankrupt. John the Baptist ate bugs. Peter denied Christ. The disciples fell asleep while praying. Martha worried about everything. The Samaritan was, woman was divorced more than once. Zacchaeus was too small. Paul was too religious. Timothy held an ulcer. And Lazarus was dead. And God used all of them. Like, honestly. It has always been ordinary people. It's always been broken people. It's always been imperfect people that God has used powerfully. It's not about ability, it's about availability. And so we have got to kill the consumer in us that says it's all about me and start living as living agents of renewal that say, I'm going to pray and I'm going to do everything I can to be radically obedient to the invitation of Jesus Christ in my life to form a rule of life that says I'm a walking renewal and I'm coming to life in Him. That's what we need in this church. I've been rereading a book over summer called Sacred Fire, an outstanding book. And he, uh, the author, Ronald Rollheiser, talks about the three stages of our life. The first stage after we leave home and, and we, we become an adult is really just trying to get our life together. Learning to budget, dealing with our bad habits, just trying to get our poop together, which is a nice way of saying something else. Uh, and, that, and this isn't linear, so, so I'm still trying to get my life together in some areas of my life. But the second stage of life, and the largest chunk of it, is learning to give our lives away. Is learning to give our lives away. The vast majority of your life, God will want to shape something in you so that your life is a blessing to others. And it's not a natural thing. Following Jesus is not natural. It requires practice. It requires intention. But it's predominantly learning, you know, I want to learn to give my life away. 
And the third stage, says Ronald Rollheiser, is that we would give our deaths away. We're all going to die. And can you die in such a way that it's the, the most, the, and it's in the humiliation of it and in the powerless of it, will you die in such a way that your life is a blessing to your family and to the wider world as much as you're able to? Very deep, very profound. Jesus just didn't give us his life. He gave us his death. And so as we follow Jesus, we learn to get our lives together, and then we must learn to give our lives away. It's the richest life you can live, but it's, it's not an easy process. But that's the journey of formation God wants to do in every one of you. And then eventually one day you will die. And will you die in such a way that it's a blessing to your family and to your friends and to the world around you? It's not linear, apart from the death bit, it's, uh, but the stage of all getting our lives together, it's all meshed together. And so my challenge to us as we start, I know this is a big sermon to start the year on, is, is this. There's no pressure there's no condemnation, but Jesus stands before us. And you know, a different word for believe is trust. Do you trust in Jesus? Do you trust that if you follow Jesus, he will lead you to life? Do you trust in his promises? If you do, you can just rest. Ah, I trust in you and obey. Lord, lead me. Lead me into life. And so this morning, I want to... Um, give us the opportunity to respond in three different ways. Um, and, and I'm just praying there'll be one in particular for you that's like, yeah, that's the one. That's the one for me. That's the one I want to just respond to. So just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you and just sit with Jesus in this moment. But do you need to really focus on, on renewing your own life, allowing God to renew your life? Uh, then the key action is to build a rule of life. And, and I would like you to begin that in the service. You know, get your phone out and, um, or get your notepad out and just be, and, and go Monday, tomorrow morning, this is what it's going to look like. Or Tuesday, this is what it's going to look like. And it's about like, what's going to bring you to life with Jesus. It's not like I've got to add extra things. It's like, what do you have to say no to and what can you embrace that would lead you into great life? The second thing is that prayer is the cornerstone to renewal. And so the key action is that you would join the church in prayer and commit to pray once a week. Um, and so I'm just, I really want to invite us to be a church of prayer, that we would pray. And we've got these things all around the church that I'd love you to say, yes, that's when I'm going to pray. Um, at Wednesday, uh, at my morning tea break, or at lunchtime on Thursday, I'm going to go for a little walk, or I'm just going to pray. Or when I first wake up on, on Friday, for a couple of minutes, I'm just going to pray, Lord, would you pour out your spirit on the bung and have a reminder on my phone, I'm going to be... Blah, blah, blah. And the last thing is everyone gets to play. And this is especially for those of you that um, you've just been on the fringes of church and you've been on the fringes of this community and you haven't just really dived in and gone, I'm going to give this a great nudge. The key action I want to just challenge you with is to decide today to be involved no matter what my perceived limitations may be in terms of behavior or spirituality and decide I'm going to play my part. I'm going to pray. I'm going to get in a home church. I'm going to serve in church. I'm not going to just be cynical and, and disconnected because there's no life in that place, let me assure you. I'm going to, for all my fears and worries and stuff I've seen in church, but I'm going to dive in and I'm going to get amongst it and I'm going to see what Jesus does and I'm going to give him a year. I'm going to give him a year. So that's, uh, I just love that. You know, I just, uh, I, I have a, such a heart for those of you just wrestling with, oh man. Can I just invite you to come? Come to this place of yes, I'm in. I'm in.
So let's just wait on the Lord and uh, invite him just to speak to us and to hear his voice. In Revelation 22, verse 17, it says, The Spirit and the bride say, Come. And the one who hears say, Come. And let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life, the water of life, come. Let's just wait on the Lord this morning.